Welcome to the Pulse at Pumps podcast, presented by AMSA Pumps International Chapter. Post Podcast. My name is Michael, and I will be your host today. I'm very excited to share with you our very first episode of the 2020 school year. In this episode, I talked to Dr. Bo Wong, a dermatology resident at University of Michigan. Dr. Wong is an MD-PhD graduate from Jiaotong University in Shanghai, China. We begin our conversation today with how he started his journey from Shanghai to the United States. I started my medical school actually back in 2006 in Shanghai, and Shanghai Jiaotan University, and uh, the medical school I attended, the curriculum is total of eight years after high school. Um, so at year five of my training, 2011, I applied for a PhD degree here in the University of Michigan, and uh, I completed the PhD in neuroscience, actually, studies, neurogeneration studies. So I graduated at 2015, and I went back to Shanghai to continue my MD training. So actually finally graduated at, in 2018, and that's the year I applied for the match. And then I met to uh, Will Cornell uh, for my intern year. Um, so I did that in New York City starting July 2018. And my specialty right now is dermatology um, starting started July 2019. So right now I'm second year in dermatology for the PGY3. So that'll be your third year postgraduate training, but the second year in dermatology. Right, right. Yeah, dermatology, like any, uh, also other specialties, needs one year of internship. Usually outside the hospital where you do dermatology. Yeah, like University of Michigan does not provide intern training for dermatology. You have to search elsewhere. I think giving you a more diverse background, I think. Yeah. Can you tell us? How you choose dermatology? What was the process like choosing a specialty? Yeah, actually, it's a yeah, very interesting question. And uh, both of my parents actually are dermatologists. And uh, so growing up, I'm very familiar with what they do. And uh, actually, my first intuition is not to do dermatology as medical students because I just don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. and they're there. I don't know. Yeah, usually like the try to go the, the other way around. Yeah. Right. So that's why I applied for PhD training, um, you know, focusing on neuro, neuroscience. Because I was thinking, of, oh, the neurology is actually pretty cool. You, the brain, how brain functions and how the neural synapses are pretty cool. And neurogeneration and Parkinson's always fascinates me. And yeah, but then I start studying uh, the basic science of neurology. I studied like mouse models for neurogenerations. Yeah, the research part is really fun, but when it comes to the clinic, yeah, fun is a little bit, you know, unsatisfied as a physician, uh, at least from my part. It's very cool, comes with a differential and the diagnosis, but treatment-wise is very limited. Uh, so that's why I'm a little bit hesitating on finally choosing neurology as my specialty. And then, actually, my research somehow switched 
uh, the, the mouse I'm, I'm studying <laughs> didn't really develop any neurological phenotypes. Instead of have they showed a scheme phenotype, actually all of them have scheme barrier dysfunction. So actually I ended up working with a dermatologist uh, in research and actually he really persuaded me to do dermatology as a, you know, as a clinician. And then the more I know about dermatology, the more I really enjoyed it. It's a combination of medicine, like internal medicine, you really need to have a strong background in that. And also to have, like, you actually can see how the disease manifests. And you can see actually from your naked eye without, you know, guessing from the lab values and others. And if you don't know, you can always take a biopsy. So that, that's when the pathology plays a role. Yeah, I got to learn pathology as well. And then once medical dermatology could not really solve the question, you can always have surgical options. So it's, it's really especially have all those different aspects in, into the one specialty. Yeah, that's what I really enjoyed. Um, so I think for a lot of students, when they think about dermatology, they think about the outpatient clinic, they think about acne, stuff like that. Um, can you tell us what is dermatology like in a hospital setting? And then what are some of the common pathologies that you guys treat with? Right. So first, it would really depend on where you practice. And in the United States, there are, I would say, like 80% of the dermatologists would choose like outpatient setting, private practice. And then you really see like bread and butter dermatology. Uh, you already like skin cancers, uh, pre-cancer like actinic keratosis, uh, nevi, like different mole checks to see whether any of them are atypical, so suspecting for melanoma. And then you have those common rashes like eczema, atopic dermatitis, acne, yeah, things like that. Um, but then like all the hospitals that have residency, most of them are actually based in, you know, big institutes. Like University of Michigan, we do actually, they're not really common to see those you know, acne or eczema. We see a lot of pretty complicated stuff. And so we are in the big hospital, dermatologists actually have consult service. And you see a lot of like drug reactions, uh, Stephen Johnston, things like that, but not every day, but see this, yeah. that a lot. And also, uh, dermatology residency is three years in training, and after that, it's basically a combination of medical dermatology, dermatopathology, and skin surgery, and also pediatric dermatology. And then later on, you can choose a subspecialty as those if you want to specialize in like most surgery. Um, basically, it's a micrographic surgery you do step by step for treating skin cancers. And also you can choose a fellowship for uh, dermatopathology that's usually one year. And you can choose a fellowship in pediatric dermatology and also cosmetic dermatology. That's all the postgraduate fellowships. Mm, so, yeah, I think that's, did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, definitely. So, so as you mentioned, um, you first do a one year of internship and then three years of residency. And how long usually is fellowship? So I think most of the fellowships are only one year. Is and it common for so most residents to pursue a fellowship afterwards? Actually, not 
no. I will say 90% will just, uh, the residents will just find a private practice job or, you know, as a attending job in hospitals. I would say let, around 10% of people will choose a specialty training. Yeah, because dermatology itself is considered a specialty already. So what is a typical day like for you? Yeah, so we start the day at 8 o'clock. That's when clinic starts, and the morning have four hours in clinic, one hour lunch break, and starting afternoon at from 1 to usually 4.30. And after that, we catch up some notes. Uh, we call some patients regarding biopsy results or some further management. So usually wrap up the day maybe 5 to 5.30. And that's when our when we are doing our clinic rotations, like outpatient settings. And when we are doing our consult service, we only have like two months in those three years to do consult service. And that usually starting from eight o'clock till five o'clock, I think, cover the calls. And then it will be the on-call person to cover the page. And if you're in skin surgery rotation, like most surgery, um, the day starts usually a little bit early, but not as early as other surgeons. It's usually 7.30 when the first case starts. And it really depends on how many stages of mold. Um, because most uh, surgery is very special, I think, in dermatology. It's basically you see the lesion, you cut it out, and then you examine under the microscope right away after cryosection. And you can actually an- analyze the tissue in one hour after you cutting it out. And you know where the margin is positive and you go back to cut more if needed. And so it really depends on how, how many stages you take. So like today, I'm doing my most rotation. Today I end at 3.30, but sometimes if the patient is keep positive on the margins, it can last till like 5.30. So it's compared to what other specialties, pretty chill, I would say. And that's during residency. You are like private practice. You can choose whatever schedule that works for you. I know that most private practice only works for like four days per week. And from eight to five, you already have a schedule for a dermatologist. And in residency, uh, we focus a lot in education as well. And our, our residency program actually provides eight hours of education per week. So that's Tuesday and Thursday morning, 8 to 12, uh, we have our own didactic session. We already uh, either residents lead book club or have faculties giving lectures or like pathology, like actual scope sessions. So eight hours per week just designated for education. I want to talk a little bit about um, your status coming into the program as an IMG. So what was that like to apply to a residency as an IMG? Um, again, I think it's, it's a very, um, depends on what kind of specialties, uh, you want to go in. Um, because I did my internship in internal medicine and I did it in New York. And New York is a very IMG friendly city. You probably are already aware. And, and they are more welcoming towards IMGs and especially internal medicine and uh, family medicine, I think. Um, so matching process, I mean, after talking with my colleagues in internal medicine, I think the, the experience is really different from my perspective as I apply to dermatology as an IMG. 
Yeah, I can share more about, about like applied to subspecialty like dermatology or like some small, small specialty like anesthesiology, radiology, because those are very small field uh, and it's highly competitive in, even in, as American medical graduates. So I think the strategy is very different and as a an IMG and especially that they're uh, so I'm thinking. So it's really the whole package of uh, matching. When you're applying for match, it's really the whole package Whole package they're considering. So first would be the score, USMA score, mainly step one. But now it's the thing's going to change when they cancel the score, scoring system. Um, like I, after match, I talked with a couple of um, program directors. As dermatology, we already, you know, the average step one score is crazy high. In dermatology, I think the average is like 255 uh, for step one. Um, but that's really not the case uh, considering consider interviews. I think my program already have a cutoff of 235. And after that, it's not really playing a role in considering applicants. What's more important in those small specialty is the recommendation letter, I think. Um, and recommendation letter, the quality is very important. Have to coming from somebody that really knows you well, and so that make his word or her words, you know, trustworthy and uh, more valuable towards you know consider you as a person. Also, they value teamwork. Um, how good are you as a person and interpersonal relationships? And so, recommendation letter can also provide that aspect as well. And it will be ideal to have somebody that's known in the field to write you that letter. And also, I think as an IMG, what they really hesitate about giving IMG interview is, or eventually hiring that IMG, matching that IMG, is because there are a lot of uncertainties because if you're from another medical system, they're just not sure whether you're going to function or like work as good in the U.S. medical system. So I think you really need to provide to them that you are actually compatible, you're, you're, you're competitive, even in the United States system. So I think uh, having your experience in the United States as clinical, working as, in the clinic will help a lot. Uh, so clinical experience in the United States will help. I think both in help with uh, your actual experience and also help with the reference letter, recommendation letter. So that's one big part. And then would be your academic performance in your uh, medical school. And the dean's letter will help. Um, but again, I think the scoring system and the ranking system in medical medical school differs by what country you're from. I know in China, like where I'm from, and the scoring system is totally different with what the state is. And they don't really give a rank. They just give an actual score. And they have no idea how to interpret the score. If you are, you know, you're interviewed that patient, uh, that's relevant. Uh, so my point is, it's really a whole package, uh, and that's important. And I think among the package is a recommendation letter that's very important. Um, would you say research plays a big part of the application? Uh, for me, yes. And because I do have a PhD and I did that in University of Michigan, and I do, uh, so I did collaborated with uh, the dermatologist here, so I know them personally, and also from the research standpoint. 
and I think that's play a big role in there as well. But um, but I besides Michigan, I also got interviewed some other institute as well. I can share some of the experience there uh, because because of the research, I got to attend a lot of international conferences and also national conferences in the states, and so I got up lots of interactions with you know faculties from other institutes and hospitals um, and uh, from those interactions I, I told them that I'm interested in dermatology residency and they actually offered me you know interview opportunities so I would say from my point of view research definitely helped a lot in that area and also I'm, I'm trying to think like as an IMG especially in those small specialties competitive specialties how do you stand out compare yourself with other IMG, uh, American medical graduates? You know, the, all of them have like every score of step one score like 255, so you're, you're not gonna beat them or stand out from step one score point of view. And recommendation letter wise, all, I, I, I believe all of them have very great recommendation letters because all of them like, almost all of them have like AOA, uh, membership so which means they are like top one to two percent of the medical school and what can make IMG stand out I think research is a big part um, yeah that's only my point of view I think uh, you can think of other things that can help you stand out uh, basically what I'm saying is like choose something that help you stand out from other AMGs I see that's actually yeah, a very think, valuable suggestion I think that only, only works for small specialties, though. If you are considering international internal medicine or family medicine, I think that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, because I met a lot of co-residents during my intern year in New York, and uh, actually uh, only a few of them have research experience, and all of them got into residency, internal medicine residency. And uh, so you really need to investigate which program residency programs more IMG-friendly. And I think in those programs, step one score matters a lot. So part of uh, residence responsibility is also working with the medical students. So from your point of view, what qualities do you look at when you're evaluating a medical student? Yeah, so we do have one medical student rotated with us every month. And we really look for those, first of all, would be teamwork. Uh, spirit of teamwork always uh, consider whether he or she can be helpful in patient care or this patient encounter and uh, also uh, ask you know smart questions um, not really have to know everything beforehand but think make people think that you are actually thinking like logically what the disease is and how the pathogenesis works things like that but sometimes we see another extreme. Maybe uh, medical students were a little bit too aggressive sometimes. They will keep asking questions and then like delaying the flow. So just keep in mind, you know, not to cross, you know, certain lines. To find a balance you know. between the two. Yeah, find a fine balance would help a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What advice will you give students who are applying for the upcoming match? So students in their last year of medical school. Oh, last year of medical school. Yeah, I think find opportunities to that probably apply to the last few years of medical school would be finding opportunities to have rotations, maybe 
in the United States. You know, all those electives you can apply. And I think that will be super helpful, especially for small specialties. I think inter- interview skills is really needs to be worked on. How to, how to answer maybe difficult questions during interviews, things like that. Um, Can you share with us um, yeah. what are some of the questions that you were asked when you were interviewing? Yeah, my interview, pretty general. <laughs> I would think not really hard questions. It's really different from my like from chatting with my internal medicine friends. Um, because all the institute I went to, they already know me, uh, kind of. So, especially in Michigan, like, all my interview was, like, basically chatting for uh, one hour. But for other institutes that didn't know, like, basically give some examples how you are a good team player and uh, how give our as examples how you are multitasking, things like that. So come up with some stories that can show those you are capable of those things. Do you see any significant changes coming to the residency a- application process due to COVID? That we know that a lot of the schools are not offering in-person interview anymore, but do you see any other significant changes? Yeah, I think that's a big change. Like everything is going virtual. And, you know, University of Michigan is canceling all the in-person ones. And so I think it hurts both ways. And, First of all, the program does not really cannot really know the person, uh, you know, in person is, is quite different always mm-hmm. zooming, and also the the applicants themselves cannot really learn the how the program functions and how the vibe. I think the vibe is very important as well to to investigate with programs that you the most. Uh, every interview comes with pre-interview dinner. I think that's the dinner you only interact with residents. That's really when you kind of feel the vibe of the, how, you know, how the co-residents interact, how close they are. Yeah, because I value that a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. Actually, there's, so I guess we'll know. Yeah, this is going to be the first cycle of all the <laughs> virtual interviews. And yeah. Maybe they'll do virtual dinner yeah. as well. Yeah, trust me, it's not, we don't know it either. Like, our program director has no idea how it's gonna play out. Um, what about some of the, um, rumored, uh, visa changes, um, immigration policy changes? Do you see anything significant happening soon? Yeah, so I am on J1, uh, so as for my whole entire residency. So at first, you know, Trump announced that all J, J visa and H visa is gonna be canceled. But then there, uh, so I emailed the ECFMG like directly and saying that whether my renewal, like if I go back to China right now, can I renew my visa just fine? And actually said it's okay because it's exempted by the presidential order. Um, so I think it will not matter that much right now. Who knows? I mean, the politics is changing. It's all hard the time. to say. Yes, that's true. This November, <laughs> you know, anything mm-hmm. can happen in two weeks. Yes. So I really, yeah, I couldn't comment on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you tell our audience a little bit about um, the visa, the different type of visas, and how how do they work? Yeah. So basically, there are. I think what I heard of about it, only two type of visa residency can offer. Is one is J1 is more common in like big institutes like uh, university programs, and I know some community programs does offer H1. 
Um, but that's very rare for the program to offer H1. And I think one of the requirements for you to apply for H1 is have to have step three completed. Some people are afraid of bringing that up during interviews because if they ask you what visa you want, if you say, oh, I don't want H1, which means they gonna, the hospital themselves gonna sponsor you instead of ECFMG sponsor you for oh, H1. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the hospital, some, they'll pay like lawyer fees. I don't, I don't know. Uh, because I'm on J1, so I have no experience working with H1. Probably there are going to be some extra steps uh, to process H1. So I don't know. Uh, but some, some programs actually do give H1s. Um, like my friend actually told me he got, he got pre-match, he got pre-match invitations from one program that actually they can offer H1s. So I guess maybe that program's not that competitive, so they want to use H1 as something to draw more applicants, maybe. Mm-hmm. You mentioned pre-match. For our audience that don't really understand the process, the pre-match is the offer that was made before the, the actual match, which happens usually around March? Correct. I think second week of March or third week of March. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, basically you apply the same way, I think, through MRP. And then you interview with them, and sometimes they can give you an offer of pre-match and then actually ask you to withdraw from the MRP match and withdraw your application and then sign a contract with them. I think that's how it works. Uh, um, is again, that still a common practice right now? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's rare. It's very rare. And most of them are community programs. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Students here oh, really appreciated your input. It's very rare to find an ING in dermatology, so everyone's very, very excited about this episode. That concludes our conversation with Dr. Bo Wong, an IMG dermatology resident at the University of Michigan. Hopefully, his story gave you some insight into the field of dermatology and the process of applying as an IMG. I want to apologize for the sound quality of this episode. This is our first time recording via Zoom. If you know a physician in the U.S. who is available for an interview, please reach out to us. We're always looking for guests for the podcast. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, to search for Pooms AMSA, and our email, poomsamsa at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time here on the Pulse of Pooms.